All right, welcome back. Uh, part two of this uh, Retro Rebel December special. This time, of what I'd like to do is shine a light on some of the some of the personalities, some of the internet, the influencers, the streamers, people that we watch that a lot of times sort of maybe even enlighten us to games that we hadn't heard of before. Some of which, uh, you know, give us background information, share some of our thoughts on some of these games. These are other individuals uh, in the internet, into the ether that we support, we watch, and we think you should too, uh, if these things seem to spark an interest with you. So uh, they run the gamut. I think I've got some that are tabletop gaming, retro gaming, and then some of them are much more specific. So yeah, but absolutely. So uh, I guess without further ado, we can jump right into it. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, you go first. Let's start. Yeah, I'll go first this time. So the the ones I've got listed, uh, the whole idea for this really, it, it sort of hit me because I was watching a video by this, this first individual I want to talk to, and they did this exact same thing. They actually sh were shouting out all these other uh, YouTubers that had uh, a a presence, but not really a big footprint where there weren't a lot of people that were following them, but maybe they should. They've got a lot of good things to say. They put out really high quality content. And so the first one I want to mention is a channel called Rasputin. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Rasputin, his icon that you can click on, it's R-A-Z-B-U-T-E-N. It's a paper bag over his head. So yeah, you, don't, you can't it. see him. And I don't know that you ever see his face, <laughs> uh, but he's very articulate. He's very thoughtful. His videos are in the kind of that, the golden area of 20 to 40 minutes at most, you know, but he, he goes into deep, I think, evergreen topics where no matter when you listen to him, it's not necessarily what he's, it's not the game that he's talking about. It's on a deeper level. And uh, I think that there's just, he, he talks a little bit about non-gamers gaming. So if you're someone who's not necessarily a gamer, but you have these particular interests, he may point you towards some games that you might find interesting. So if you're trying to break into gaming, or I know he does a few things akin to uh, girlfriend reviews, if you've ever watched them. Uh, I love that channel. <laughs> it's nine. It's some of the best nine minutes of <laughs> entertainment that I think you can get. Well put together, very funny. But her perspective is what it's like to watch someone else play games if you're the significant other. And he sort of does the same thing. If you've got a significant other that you're trying to introduce to gaming, he gives you some some uh, some sort of tac tactics to to get them involved. Maybe some games to start them off on so that uh, they're not overwhelmed with. <laughs> how complicated gaming can be. Uh, but Rasputin, uh, definitely. And, and he's got a couple, a couple episodes that also shed light on some of the other up and coming YouTubers. So if you find those episodes, they're definitely worth checking out. Excellent. My first one is a creator that we both consume and have talked about a million times on this channel. So I won't go into detail, but James Stephanie Sterling has incredible articulate insights and game reviews talks about some of the problems that we like to highlight. And I don't know if we're influenced by them or, or vice versa, but always really poignant, topical, newsworthy content. And they have their own website where they still post game reviews and stuff, which I've linked to in the comments. Yes, I'm a fan. I very rarely disagree. And generally, if I disagree with them, it's, it's more of a quibble on a specific, not on the general premise, you know? So yeah, I highly recommend as well. My next one is, is a, a, a really interesting video essayist and he, his name is Jacob Geller. 
Jacob Gellert. If you, he's got video essays on a lot of things. He's got a podcast on gaming now, and he does a lot of horror games, which I prefer to watch and not play. But mm-hmm. uh, he does a lot of that. But he is very thoughtful. I believe he he must have been a journalism major or a writing major of some sort because his his essays are he's incredibly articulate, very well thought out topics. And I believe I have learned something every time I've watched one of his videos. So they're they're heavily researched, well-researched videos, everything from gaming and like the psychology of gaming, like why why we can't throw anything away and why we collect everything in games sometimes. So that there's a psychological component to it. That's uh, a royal we there. I'd be dropping <laughs> You mean I do, because as as we know, you know, it's like if you tell me this is going to be a scarce uh, resource then that we should hold on to, then that means I'm never going to use it. You're never like going to drive in Starfield. Like everything I, says that it's rare. Well, and they're exactly right. So I'll have all these things. I did it in Baldur's Gate three, where <laughs> they give you the, there's a beholder that you have in a, in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And I kept that beholder because you're supposed to be able to use it against other. I mean, you could just throw it out in a boss fight and then it just goes, runs wild. You can also call, if you get the horn, you can call these ogres in. I never used the horn, but I used the bottle. I used the bottle and I tried to use the horn, but once you leave a particular zone, it says the ogres can't hear it anymore. Uh, and I so see. you can't actually use it. And I was like, dang it. So I held on to it until way too late and then I could never <laughs> use it. So that's funny. But yeah, so Jacob Geller, uh, very well thought out, very well done. And topics range from real world, world topics to a lot of uh, gaming topics. So. Awesome. Uh, my next one is another one, unfortunately, that I think we both consume, and that is Yahtzee over at Zero Punctuation Game Reviews. Now, he's now left The Escapist, and he's doing his own thing, which is great, super supportive. However, it does mean that The Escapist and Zero Punctuation has put up a master list of everything that he's ever reviewed on Zero Punctuation, so I have linked to that. It's a huge playlist if you just want to enjoy fast snippety reviews of video games and like sort of waltz through video game memory lane it is quite a watch i want to say he's been doing it for about 15 years at least yeah a long time i i I remember when he first started and it only been about a year and i've been watching him since then and those little eight nine minute videos or five or six minute videos and he's talking as fast as he can uh with (laughs) zero punctuation very funny yeah yahtzee's a good one and he's been doing this for a long time and he and you know, and, and uh, Stephanie Sterling uh, have done some collaborations in the past when they were both a part of The Escapist. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yahtzee is definitely a good one. And I own both of it. Well, at least two of his books. I don't know if he's written another one, but he's also written two books, Mog World. And I think he wrote maybe a sequel to it, uh, which is a it's a good book. Basically taking it's mashing up Final Fantasy and World of Warcraft themes in a comedy book with an undead main character. It's actually pretty interesting. My next one is another uh, video essayist that uh, I think deserves a whole lot more notoriety than he than he gets at this time. And his it's uh, his channel is called Daryl Talks Games. Daryl Talks Games. Daryl is a psychology major or a psychology. I mean, he's got a degree in psychology. Uh, And so a lot of what he does is talk about the psychology of games. So he talked about the psychology of Dark Souls. Um, He talks about. He has a video on the 
the elevators in games, just on the elevators. And if you watch it, you would think you couldn't make a 25 minute video or a 30 minute video on just the elevators, but the way he takes that topic and ties it to, you know, psychological principles in gaming and why we do a lot of what we do. He bases it on the literature. So he's what actually it called again, sorry. Daryl talks games. It's Dude. actually a very, it's a very, um, it, like if, if you're, if you're looking to watch something and, and you want to learn something about it, but you also are talking about video games, every single one of his, uh, he even talks about the backlog, the psychology of the backlog. You know, so all of us have this anxiety of all these games that we haven't played. Well, many of us do have this anxiety. I haven't reached these games. I've got this whole backlog. I'll never get to it. And then it sometimes it paralyzes you from advancing or doing anything else. And it's a metaphor for other things that are in our life as well. And he, he kind of approaches it from that perspective that when you've got all these things that are overwhelming you and, and how it prevents you from maybe proceeding, uh, there's a there's a tie there. Uh, and he kind of connects it to video games as well. So Daryl Talks Games, uh, very informational, a great channel uh, to, uh, if you haven't discovered it yet, I think that there's a lot to be gained. So, Okay, love that. I, uh, I'm also making sure the official template YouTube channel does follow all of these content creators. So if you want to look and see who we're following, you'll be able to find all of these if you can nice. type as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so my next one is a bit off the beaten path. So um, this is an English creator called Ashens. And primarily Ashens does like unboxing of usually really crappy or vintage toys but sometimes that also includes like knockoff video game handheld consoles and that sort of stuff um and he also made a video that premiered i think on youtube and it's called uh ashens and the quest for the game child or something it's like a full-length feature film about this really crappy knockoff game boy um called the game child uh i I don't know what it is about his channel that I find so funny, but if you like sort of unusual unboxing with a bit of improv economy mixed in, there is video game stuff, but there's also toys and all sorts sort of mixed in. So it's an interesting channel to follow and I recommend it. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, my next one is, is also, it's a European channel, uh, obviously not ex exclusive to Europe in that I can see it as well in the States, uh, but it's Eurothug 4000. Eurothug Euro 4000. 4000, what a name. No, oh, well, yeah. And so if you, if you, um, if you go just from that perspective, you know, what are you expecting? You know, what are you expecting from Eurothug? Well, would you expect it to be a 20 something relatively meek sounding female as the lead. Well, then that's probably not necessarily what she would think, but she, that's exactly who it is. It's a, uh, it's a sort of a, a, a quiet, um, I'm trying to think of, I mean, because everything I want to say is, is a positive and supposed to be a compliment, but she has very low energy in terms of like, it's not, she's not yelling at you, not speaking really it's quickly. It's chill. It's chill. It's a very chill, but, She's and it's very much from her perspective, but she will talk about games and sort of her experience and how it makes her feel and sort of looking, taking that game and themes from that game and sort of uh, extrapolating that 
to a, a much bigger target, maybe maybe just generally speaking, how this sort of affects or, or is is a part of reflected in society or in other things like that. So again, it's another video essayist who who is looking at common themes in video games and and sort of applying them on a much more mainstream, much more, uh, you know, uh, yeah, much more mainstream uh, application. So across society, everything I've seen of hers is also very well done. Not a heavily followed channel yet, but I know there's a lot of a lot of individuals that I follow that respect her and have been bringing her on to their shows uh, because she just does really high quality work. So I love it. Um, okay. Well, the next one on my list is sort of a 2000s, maybe 20, like max 2010, uh, channel for gaming comedy. And that's Dorkly. Sometimes their skits just crease me right now. It is sort of like a college humor smosh level sort of vibe but if you like that then they're you know hugely popular and successful you're bound to find a video that interests you they've got all sorts of things going on over on their channel they have millions and millions of subscribers so they're you know dorkly is kind of a big deal but uh, uh i always find stumble across something that amuses me with them so i thought i'd put it on the list yeah well that's I know I've seen some of their stuff, and I think I may have followed them at some point, but I need to check them out again. Um, my next one is is an is sort of a niche channel uh, in that uh, he deals almost exclusively with well, he does with the past, and that is the gaming historian. Um, the gaming historian uh, does man, he does really well researched video essays on. Uh, on the history of video games. And so everything from the origin of Tetris, which is basically a documentary, it's, it's about an hour long, but it is very well done. And it talks about like all of the difficulties that the creator of Tetris went through to get that game even made and how he lost the rights to it and so on and so forth. And how it's kind of ubiquitous in gaming. Now it's like, it's everywhere and who owns what at this point. So, um, but he, you know, he, he'll go into the history of consoles, all consoles, peripherals, different controllers, uh, many things that you may have never even heard of, didn't even know existed. Um, he doesn't put out a whole lot of content in terms of like frequency. Uh, but again, everything he puts out is high, high quality. quality. So, yeah. If you want to see, if you want to kind of dive into the history of gaming, uh, he is, as far as I know, the authority on gaming history. And he's, he attends a lot of the, the conventions as well. So the gaming historian is someone that you could actually run into if you go to these conventions. Right. Um, okay. So right. another good channel. I'm with you. Uh, I'm also throwing out a bit of a niche one. So um, this is a channel. Well, not a channel per se, at least why I follow it. And that's the DM layer. So they do like GM advice. Um, like videos, live streams, that sort of stuff. They talk about like the different types of bad dungeon masters and like gear that every dungeon master should have and like how to check if you're doing things right or wrong. Um, but I, I am, I follow their YouTube channel, but I more so spend time on their website, uh, which 
has like free resources for dungeon masters, like traps and monsters and maps and all that sort of stuff. And they are really frequent at publishing this sort of stuff. Um, so I do use it. I have run many a module off of their website. And so it seems only fair that I promote it on my meager platform. <laughs> no, that's fair. And I think um, I'll sort of, segue to a similar channel as well that uh you know i'm not as avid of a dungeons and dragons and you know player as you are uh i'm a big fan huge fan watch critical role uh since the beginning and uh but just don't i don't really play myself but the dungeon dad or dungeon dad is really just uh his 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 channel name uh, he is a canadian that does uh conversions of obscure monsters into fifth edition nice. and so he'll he'll take uh he's he's got a whole series on chromatic dragons uh metallic dragons uh and those are some that's i think where the origin of it was and and like there's just some some monsters that you would have never thought i never knew existed he does the 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 lore of the monster he even does uh and if you pay on his patreon you'll get an actual game card like it's coming out of the of the bestiary like it's right from a dungeon master book Sweet. and it's got everything including his character stats uh and and like his powers and everything as it's transferred to the rules in 5e so um i i every week comes out with a new monster it's so there's something to check out but that's effectively the what the whole channel is so you don't watch people play per se. You're just learning about monsters uh, that have been converted to 5e. And so very useful for somebody who wants to put together a campaign using a, a obscure monsters that, that are in the game or have been converted to work in the game. And so uh, he even creates hooks that he gives to you at the end to say, okay, here's a, here's a way you could incorporate this monster into your campaign. Here are some ideas that would work. And uh, so he create he kind of paints the picture for you as how you could incorporate them. He, he does it all for you. All you got to do is plug it in. So another really interesting, especially if you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan, a good a good watch. I love it. Uh, that yeah. was all the creators that I wanted to shout out. Did you have any others? I have one more, uh, and this is the last one that I had. And and uh, he's he's sort of a niche one in that uh, he he does mostly horror games uh so there's a theme there as well <laughs> but uh he's a, he's an australian i believe is he goes by the name indie mouse but it's spelled differently it's i-n-d-e-i-m-a-u-s interesting indie mouse and uh he's no. <laughs> he's very what's that i said i hate it <laughs> <laughs> well he's he's very funny He's got a very dry sense of humor, and so basically, what he'll do is he will he will uh, play the game, and he'll he'll sort of edit the video so for entertainment purposes. It's not just a playthrough, but he'll talk. He'll voice over it. So well, let's not judge it, people who just record playthroughs. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, who has the time? You know. <laughs> uh, so he, but that's that's his shtick, though. Is he'll he'll voice over, or some of it he will actually be recording while he's playing it. So you'll hear him sort of go through the process, the mental process, the inner monologue that some of us have. His just happens to be pretty funny. And so what he's saying is happening or what should happen or he's just 
he's got some pretty good one-liners, some some quips, and so it's entertaining from a humor standpoint. But also, he gives a a uh, I would say very fair review of some of these horror games as to good, bad, and otherwise. Is it worth your time? Is it is it? He doesn't just play games because he's a masochist and he's trying to put himself through the worst possible experience. People will suggest games. He'll play them and he'll tell you if it's good or not. You know, so you do get a little bit of information as well, besides just entertainment and a little bit of humor. So, Indie Mouse, another good one to check out. So those are the channels that we think you would uh, you might enjoy, uh, especially based on your relative interests. Um, yeah, definitely think you should check those out. And well, let's wrap up this episode with uh, looking forward to 2024. There's, there's, uh, you know, we had a sort of like you said in the previous episode, a uh, it was slim pickings in terms of, you know, the gaming, and a lot of that is reflective or, or a reflection of the COVID period and the slow period in design, and and uh, I think I think that's I think that's absolutely true, uh, but you know. 2024 doesn't necessarily seem to be that much different. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, even the banner titles of 2023, there were some that were a bit hit or miss. I mean, you and I both played Diablo 4, and depending on the type of character they created, had completely different experiences with the game. Uh, I loved the campaign, hated the end game. You could barely get started and didn't really enjoy much of anything. Um, and I think huge titles like Starfield were a bit of a failure to launch. You know, people realized they were these big, huge, vapid environments that actually weren't that fun to explore. And most people quickly abandoned them. Aside from my initial playthrough, where I admit I, I was excited to see what was going on, but I did feel that it, it seemed to be a little bit on rails. I, you know, I didn't know where the exploration part was going to come in and stuff. Um, I never picked it up after that. So for 2024, I am focusing on games that I'm pretty confident that I'm going to like, just full stop. Like, I don't think that they can get it wrong. I'm not taking any gambles this year. Um, I only have two titles, so I'll just rattle them off. Uh, I won't make anybody feel any sense of suspense. Um, so for me... The two games that I'm excited for in 2024 are Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 and Wolf Among Us 2. And so uh, the Wolf Among Us, obviously, that was a really great game from Telltale like back in the day. Like, it's a really interesting story. Uh, I enjoyed it. I would play more of it. Um, so the fact that there's a second part is pretty exciting to me. I... I don't want to say I don't know how they could possibly screw it up because I can think of some ways, but um, I think it's a safe bet. And then Vampire the Masquerade, I played that as LARP back in college in 2005. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a great experience. I've never been able to play any of the previous games because I either have had other things going on or they're not on Game Pass or whatever. Um, I, As I understand, people say they really refined this sort of game that they're you know this game format and so i'm looking forward to bloodlines too i'm hoping that that'll be the first one that i actually pick up in the franchise and that it will be even better than the original the, you know the first uh game that came out is so those are the two that i'm excited for everything else that i would have been excited for has been pushed back so i'm just not even going to mention it because i don't no, know that's that fair. it'll actually come out so did 
for Vampire uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines Two, it's a mouthful. Hmm. The is it is it the same sort of game where you get to pick the type of vampire you want to be and so on, or is it is it what that game was that didn't they release a game that was more like episodic, and and sort of a first person view that was more on rails than the other, which was sort of an open world. As I understand, this is more of like you pick a clan, you make your character. It's like sort of more sort of just like the first one then. Yeah, it's a it's an action RPG, but it's more of an RPG as I understand. Well, that would be something I would be interested in as as well. Um, okay, cool. Uh, well, there I have three, and so I'll just list them I'm out too. We're both brevity is the soul of wit. That's right. There we go. Um, the most the the two that are coming out earlier in the year actually have release dates as far as I could tell. Um, Star Wars Outlaws. It's supposed to be sort of an action RPG as well. Um, I think they're mashing together a few games that were canceled at one point, including uh, I think it's thirteen thirteen, which was supposed to be the backstory of Boba Fett. This was a few years ago before they came out with Jedi Survivor or Jedi um, Outcast. Um, but you you sort of play as a as a as an outlaw slash not really a bounty hunter, but I think that's you're sort of an outlaw more than anything else. Um, it looks great in terms of like the graphics and, and uh, you know, the gameplay. I think it's taking some pages from Jedi um, Jedi survivor and, and that, and that particular game series in terms of the art style. Uh, but I'm very anxious to kind of see what they do with this. I'm hopeful because the last two, uh, the last two games that are associated with the star Wars platform have been really good, uh, at least the console versions. And um, I'm hopeful that this is going to be good. It's something I'm looking forward to anyway. Uh, and then the next one is uh, Black Myth Wukong, which is a it's a game that I've been tracking since last year. We I think I mentioned it in January of last year. I think we were so. talking about I, games it's not the too. first time I've heard of this, I swear. Yeah, well, it's a, basically you're playing as uh, this. It's sort of a... Um, I want to be sensitive to what I'm talking about effectively. It's you're a, a sort of a. Um, so in Japan, they're called yokai. Like a yokai is a is a spirit, a demon spirit, effectively. Um, this isn't a yokai in Chinese culture, but it it is a mythological character. It's a Chinese. Uh, it's a it's a monkey, like a monkey monk, a, a warrior. Yeah. Uh, but in mythology, there is a name a real for thing. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a real thing. So there is there is a precedent for it in Chinese mythology. And so you're playing as that mythological god. Uh and and it's an it's an action game. I don't know what kind of RPG elements it has in it. Uh, but it's definitely sort of a third person action game that looks a little bit like in terms of the gameplay as uh, Jedi Outcast, De uh, Dark Souls, any of those where it's kind of over-the-shoulder third-person uh, action. Um, so there's nothing necessarily new with that. There is something new. Oh, you know, a, a game that it actually looks a lot more like is Sekiro. So it's a lot more like Sekiro, and, and that's a game I've wanted to kind of uh, get my hands on and play a little bit as well. 
Um, it's just, it's the whole Dark Souls thing that always pushes me away. It's like, ah, I don't want to be frustrated in my gameplay the whole time. I kind of like to be able to advance the story. So, but it is a game that I've been tracking for a while and a game that, I, that I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, and then the last one really is, is um, as you said, it's probably uh, not unexpected, and that's the World of Warcraft expansion. Surprise, uh, surprise. Yeah. So at BlizzCon this year, they announced uh, a different format for releasing their expansions. Uh, they announced three in a row, so the next oh. three. So they're going to do this, this overarching story uh, and... I think it's the War Within is what it's called, the first one. And they released the cinematic. We talked about it uh, in last month's episode. And uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it for a number of reasons. I've played World of Warcraft since the inception. The very first month, November of 2004, when it was released, I bought it. Um, and I've played it pretty consistently up till a, a couple years ago. I played it uh, just about every year. Uh, I did play it every year, um, mm. but there have been a few expansions that I played and then sort of canceled my subscription to wait for the next and just see what's next because it didn't really hook me. Um, this was a great expansion, but I think I just uh, it just my heart wasn't in it. I think it was too it was too much at this point uh, to because there was there's a lot of maintenance daily, you know, check ins. Mm, yeah. And I'm, I'm quite sure that this next is not going to be any different. You know, there's still going to be the check-ins, the the grind, all that stuff. I enjoy the story. Uh, I think for nostalgia's sake is probably why I'm hanging on. And the fact that I've played for 20 years and that's yeah. almost blah. To but even I, think, say. I think you're getting, I mean, blah, 20 years. Yeah, exactly. But right. I, think, I think you're being rewarded with it. Like this expansion looks amazing. Like all of my old guild members, anybody like on the periphery of my life that I used to play games with, they're all talking about, are we going to re-up our accounts? Are we hitting the guild back together? You know, there's something about this expansion that has really got people excited. And maybe it's just the trajectory. Like there isn't an axe hanging over the neck of WoW players that they could just cut the live service at any time. The numbers have been falling, right? So, right. you know, there, there's got to be a question of, of whether or not they're going to carry on. However, if what you said in the last um, part about GTA and paying for hours played and stuff, um, it's quite likely that the WoW uh, sort of MMO model is the future of gaming, where you will pay a subscription to your games to access them for those hours of gameplay. And then you'll cancel them and switch them over. I mean, this is what I do with my Netflix, Disney Plus, like Paramount Plus, yep. whatever. I just, when the show that I don't want to see isn't in syndication, I boot that to the curb and, <laughs> and put on... Netflix, which usually pretty much year round has something I want. I just up and turn up and turn down my membership levels. So it's funny because I would have put WoW on my list of games I'm looking forward to. However, I have no stop. And I know that if I re-upped my WoW subscription, I would just be sucking at least three months out of my life. <laughs> because I wouldn't be able to put it down. I loved WoW when I played it. Um, I think I started playing it in like 2010, 2011. I played it for like two years really heavily. I'm talking like, you know, two, three hours every night for yeah. years, um, raiding and all that sort of stuff. I've had to put that down, but it does look good. And people in the gaming community, especially us elder millennials and younger Gen Xs are super excited about it. 
That's, and, and I think rightfully so. And one thing that Blizzard has done well, at least with World of Warcraft, is um, when they when they err on the side of doing something that seems uh, greedy, you know, just like objectively greedy with no upside to the consumer, uh, the WoW community is very vocal about it. And so they definitely give them an earful. I think that has changed a lot of their behavior in terms of it curbs some of those decisions from being made. Um, and, and, it, and I think it's, it's given um, at least the illusion of some power back to the fans that they can help influence their game, something that they love and that they pay good money for every single month. And, and bringing Chris Metzen back, I think was a huge step in the right direction. Somebody who loves the game, who, who has a vested interest in the characters that wants to do what he wants to do right by the fans and what's in the best interest of the fan base. And I think that bringing someone like that to direct this ship in terms of story is only a good thing. Uh, he, I think he's got some really good ideas. He's, he's sort of, for lack of a better way of explaining it, the father of much of the, the lore in Warcraft all the way back to Warcraft three. And so he was, he's the voice of thrall. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, He's got a lot of, of sort of fingers in the pie of World of Warcraft. And I think that this is uh, a, a, I dare say it's a, they're, they're, they're taking care of the fans by some of the decisions that they're making, bringing in management, uh, some of the quality of life changes that they're making to the game, trying to keep a steady schedule of content, which is, I think, in good faith for the fans. And uh, because in the end, that's, that's where some of these other companies are going wrong is they think you can just make decisions that have to do exclusively with making money for them. And we're still going to be there like 12 live service games. They don't even have names for, but they've got 12 <laughs> live service games, you know, but then they're like, Oh, we're sorry. You know, we're just going to cut that in half because of y'all. No, they're not. They're doing it because it blew up in their face. Yeah. Whereas this is this seems to be an act in good faith for the fans that look, there's a give and take. It's $14 a month, $15 a month. Okay. What am I getting out of it? Yeah. And every month they seem to to put out content, every every expansion, it looks like they're doing it first and foremost for the fans. Yeah. And then secondly for everything else. And if you put out good content and a good product, people will pay for it. They may still complain. You're never going to get away from that. Well, yeah. You can't please everybody. But if you do these things and make these decisions, I think in good faith with the fans in mind, I think you you generally don't go wrong, you know? Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because uh, I guess the last thing that's on my list in general, and I think we're both excited for it, is a TV show made with the fans in mind. And that is Fallout, which is premiering in April 2024. And it's from the creators of Westworld. And they did such a good handling of that environment. I think we're all really optimistic that we could have a better video game show than Halo, for example, which a lot of people slagged off, but I didn't think it was that bad. Like, right. But I think that Fallout could be truly great. Like just looking at some of the initial models, like um, of your ghoul companion and things like that, 
killer, looking absolutely killer, looking very game accurate, but in a realistic way that makes sense for real stuff in a real world. So very excited for that. That's the probably the most video gaming thing that I'm excited for, the most blockbustery thing that I'm excited for. And that's available, I think, if you have Amazon Prime. Yeah, it is on Amazon Prime. I'm looking forward to it as well. I think that there's so much more room for story in that. I mean, there's so many different vaults. There's so there there there's just a depth in in that world that I don't think ever really existed in Halo to begin with. Like the main character doesn't ever speak for the most part <laughs> on purpose, you know, and he's like nine foot tall. Space Marine. What? That's not normal. I'm a nine foot tall Space Marine. I always have been. With no, with no voice. Like he's just a, a bad. He's just he a badass. Voice. It's just very gruff, and he doesn't talk often. <laughs> right. He's like the Witcher. Uh, yeah. But I would much rather. I, I. I mean, in the game, it's like I couldn't tell you what the story was in the first three Halos. I could not tell you. I could. I know there's the broods involved. That's there's so a art. There's a. <laughs> I'm not, not going to show you up just now, but I do remember. It. <laughs> well, and that's fine. It's like I just give me the gun, shoot things, and I get to the end of the <laughs> level. That's bang. it. Shoot, bang. That's it. You know, and uh, but in but in Fallout, you can't help but kind of get involved in the story. So outside of it being really bright, which I think that was the only uh, big concern I've heard from other fans that have watched the trailers. Right. I mean, but then House of the Dragon, they were mad because it was dark. You can't you can't make people happy. <laughs> No, exactly. And so I, I thought that it's, uh, I'm not being nitpicky. Everything I've seen has been really interesting. Uh, I'm excited for that show as well. So yeah, good, good things next year. So, uh, with that, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, Sound off in the comments or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. And please head, head over to wherever you get your podcasts and rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. We'll see you later.